Welcome to Hillside Baptist Church Podcast. We are a church that is committed to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is our privilege to open God's word with you. It is our prayer that you receive the message from the man of God with an open heart. That through God's word, you are encouraged and equipped to face life's challenges. But most importantly, it is our prayer that you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior if you haven't already. If you'd like to connect with us, you can do so at hillsidebc.com, find us on Facebook, or send us an email at info at hillsidebc.com. We hope that you benefit from today's message and that you would share it with a friend. But let's now open our hearts and God's Word this chapter 12, we're almost finished in this series about uh, entitled Let My People Go, and we're looking at God giving us liberty, God giving us freedom in this life. And, and sometimes people use freedom uh, and that idea of liberty uh, to be able to define it as doing whatever they want. But what we see is God gives us freedom uh, from the chains of sin. God gives us liberty to be able to live outside of those things. And that's examples we see from Moses, and we see this in the children visual as God brought them out out of uh, the uh, Egyptian bondage, we see that God used their life in a tremendous way. One of the most notoriously bad characters that ever lived in New York was Orville Gardner. He was the trainer of prize fighters. He was a companion of all kinds of uh, really bad characters. His reputation was so uh, bad that he was called Awful Gardner. Not uh, Orville, but Awful. Awful. He had a little boy, and uh, his little boy, he loved him with all his heart, and, and unfortunately, his boy died. A short time after his boy's death, he was standing at the bar uh, in the saloon in, a, in New York. He was surrounded by a bunch of his companions there, and that night was uh, just one of those nights that was so sweltering and hot as it gets in New York, and he stepped outside to get a little bit of fresh air there, and as he stood there, he looked up between the buildings above his head, And as he said, he said, I wonder where my little boy is tonight. And then uh, uh, suddenly the thought came to him as quick as a flash. Wherever he is, you will never see him again unless you change your life. Instantly he knew that he had to make some changes in his life. And so he went from the saloon, he went to where his godly mother was, and she went to her bedside, he went in and she said, please pray for me. Uh, And he was under conviction and his mother led him to Jesus Christ that night. Well, listen, listen, it didn't stop there. He went home where he kept his jug of whiskey and he, and he said, listen, I can't keep this jug of whiskey anymore because I'm too tempted. And so he, t- he took it out to an island that he knew about. And he went out to the middle of this, uh, this island and he, and, and he dug a hole in the ground. And he put it in the ground. And, uh, and he said, Lord, I don't ever want anything to do with it again. And you know what? God took this man uh, who was uh, really, his life was so awful. And God used him to be a preacher. And then not only that... God used his preaching to lead a man named Jerry McAuley, who was a convict turned preacher, and he wound up being the guy who started uh, 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 Pacific Garden Mission, I believe is what I read. But anyways, just tremendous thing we see where God used one life, God took something broken, and he made something brand new out of it. You know, we look at uh, this idea of freedom, and we see in Exodus chapter 12, and we see that God can take us from uh, the worst of situations, just like He did uh, Mr. Gardner, and He took him from an awful place uh, of just debauchery and sin, and He brought him 
uh, to Jesus Christ. And the hope is, is that God can still do the same thing today. And so we still serve a, a wonderful God who is a wonderful Savior and still offers us freedom. And so look in Exodus uh, today, and we're going to be in chapter 12, and we're going to be in verses 29 uh, through 36 here this evening as we get started. Exodus chapter 12, verses 29 through 36. It says, And it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne, unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, and he and his servants, and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not an house where there was not one dead. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise up and get you forth from among my people, both ye and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord as ye have said. Also take your flocks, your herds, as ye have said, and be gone and bless me also. And the Egyptians were urgent upon the people. In other words, they were anxious for them to leave as well. It says that they might send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We be all dead men. And the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading troughs being bound up in their clothes upon their shoulders. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses. And they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver, jewels of gold, and raiment. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they lent unto them as such things as they required. And they spoiled the Egyptians. Let's stop and pray there. Lord, thank you for the reading of the Word of God tonight. Thank you for the power you have to set us free uh, from things that bind our lives. And we're thankful that you are still God. And the same God that delivered the, Egypt, uh, the, the Israelites out of Egypt is the same God that can deliver your child out of any kind of bondage today. And so we celebrate you, we thank you, and help us to turn our hearts towards you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, last week we saw God preparing the children of Israel uh, for the tenth and final plague that would come upon the land of Egypt. He warned them that the death angel was going to kill the firstborn of every uh, child uh, and it would touch every family in Egypt. We, we remember this story, we remember it from when we were kids maybe, or just recently as you have come to Christ. But God already told them, that uh, had already brought them through nine plagues uh, that were on the Egyptians, and each time he brought them uh, a plague, uh, Moses would come to Pharaoh and say, please, let the people go. That's what God commanded. But Pharaoh's heart grew harder and harder and harder until this final plague was brought. And so God prepared, and through all of this, we see God preparing not only the Egyptians to be ready to kick them out, but also God prepared in the hearts of the Israelites for this moment that they would be ready to leave. Remember, this was what went out eventually was a mixed multitude, and so they, they, it means that they weren't all Israelites. Uh, some of them were Egyptians that became believers, and there was, uh, by most figures, there was well over a million people that left Egypt in this one exodus. And, and as we see this, what we see is God had a lot of preparing to do, and it took uh, the, this tragic death all across the land of Egypt except for the houses of Israel. And it took this blood of an innocent lamb, the blood that uh, they would uh, dip the, the uh, hyssop plant into that blood, and they would put it on the doorpost and the, the death angel would pass by. Listen, as we mentioned last week, this is a picture of Jesus Christ. He shed His blood on the cross so that our sins could be covered and so that we could have forgiveness and eternal life because Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God. 
And so today, we're going to see what happens in that tenth and final plague. And we see God's plan through it all to really set the people free. And so just let's look here today. Uh, We're going to look at a couple of things here together. There'll be three main points here this evening. And the very first thing we see is the declaration of a holy God. Remember, God has declared His judgment will come on the Egyptians. He'd already made that clear. He said, listen, there will be judgment. And through the tenth plague, God does... Uh, does call Pharaoh uh, to surrender. And he shows he's not only omnipotent, but he's also holy. So let's look at this judgment that happens upon Egypt. Remember, because God is love, right? We believe that God is love, uh, He is light, He is holy, uh, but He's never soft, He's never indulgent towards sin at the same time. Look at 29, in verse, uh, chapter, uh, chapter 12, verse 29 again. It says, And it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne, unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants, and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there's not a house where there was not one dead. Now, just picture in your mind's eye a couple of things as we look at this text, and we see the very first thing is that it touched every house. There was not one house that was not affected by this, and every house has been affected by the sin plague. Every house has been affected by the the harmful effects of sin, and that's why Jesus Christ is the universal need for all men. We need that shed blood of the Lamb to uh, cover uh, our sins. And so we see that God judged the Egyptians through one of the most devastating events imaginable, and this was loss of family. And if you've lost family, you know how devastating it could be. And every Egyptian household, every household that didn't put the blood on the, on the posts was affected by this. Whether it was a, a husband or a wife or both of them, or children. It could have left children orphaned. There's no telling the end of combinations that happened as the death angel passed through that night. And God's judgment on Egypt, uh, we see that not the rich and not the poor escape. Now, if you go back in your mind's eye and you think about those nine plagues that happened previously, we could go back and we could probably think that Pharaoh, being the wealthiest, most powerful man in the land, was probably spared a lot of the effects of some of these previous plagues. But the reality is is that he could not escape the effect of this one. You see, and just as this was a picture of the deadliness of sin, we see that none of us can escape the deadliness of sin in our eternal life as well. We must put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why at Easter, that's why every time we go out, every time we share the gospel. Last night, uh, we were uh, passing out uh, uh, flyers in our neighborhood. Uh, and as we're going about, I, I saw on my phone that there was a missed call here at the church. And so I listened to the voicemail. And as I listened to this lady, uh, she had found a track. Someone had left in, uh, in a gas station. Someone had just stuck it in a gas station. And, uh, and she said, I saw your name on, on this, I saw the church number, and I just wanted to call. I just need someone to pray with me. And I listened to her story, I prayed with her for her family, and, and then I began to share with her Christ. And I began to share with her uh, about what was in that tract, with the fact that there is uh, something that will happen to all of us after we die. And whether or not we've accepted Jesus depends on whether or not that's good or bad. You see, God has already proven His power through nine previous plagues one right after another, after another, after another. And the Egyptians could see that there was a God who was, who was almighty. He was over them. He was, there was a God uh, that they still must put their faith in, and they still refused. 
Look at chapter 12, verse 12, uh, there with me in your Bible. God warns here that that, uh, this will happen. He says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord." Notice he, he mentions this, and there's nine plagues that have already happened, and now he reiterates this reality. He says, I am. I am sufficient. I am almighty. I am the one that you, you must bow down to. Now, this was not a welcome message in a polytheistic nation. And the exclusivity of Christ is not often welcomed in America either. You know, in America, what we find is, listen, it's okay if you have Jesus as long as it's not Jesus only. You know, you can have Jesus and, and Jesus uh, as well as, and we're going to add Him to these other things. But you see, when you become exclusive, and Jesus is exclusive when He says, listen, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. What we realize is many people push back from that. Like, listen, I don't want that kind of Jesus. I want, I want, listen, me and God's got a deal. You ever heard someone say that? Someone, I, oftentimes I'm witnessing to, to people and say, listen, me and God's got a, th- a thing going. I said, yeah, it's called the B-I-B-L-E. He revealed it. And it doesn't, it, He's not going to change it just because you don't like what the Bible says. What we find is that Christ is the only way. And, Christ, and, and God, as He's dealing with the Egyptians and He's dealing with the Israelites, He said, listen, you will see that I am the Lord. There's none other. Well, there will be a day when all, every knee will bow every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that's a day when everyone will see that He is the Lord. Warren Wiersbe mentioned, he said, Pharaoh and the Egyptian people sinned against a flood of light and insulted God's mercy. Jehovah had publicly humiliated the Egyptian gods and goddesses and proved Himself to be the only true and living God, yet the nation would not believe. Why? They were willfully ignorant. This great devastation in Egypt was God's indisputable indisputable declaration that He is God alone. Listen, remember, we're in the same battle today. We face the same thing as we go out in the streets, as we go to witness to people at work or, or wherever we are. We, we're reminded in Ephesians 6, 12, and 13, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against uh, rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And he says, as a result of that, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. I, I I believe we're in an evil day today. I believe we're in an evil society, and we, we can be reminded tonight that God, who is on our side, is all-powerful, just as He was in the time of the Egyptians. He is here today as well, and so we don't have to go out in fear. We can go out in confidence, because just as, as He told Joshua in Joshua 1.9, He says, Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, for I am with thee. And then, and then in Matthew he says, listen, go into all the world and preach the gospel. But he says this, and lo, I am with you always. Listen, God goes with us. Church, let me just encourage you that we don't have to be afraid or fearful or, or question, is God still God? I guarantee you, He is still Lord. 
He is still God today. And as we go out into the highways and the byways, and we go into our community, and, and we see the things that are going on, may our hearts not grow burdened and overwhelmed by the, uh, the sinfulness and the degradation of our society. Instead, may we be able to say, listen, there is still a God that loves you. There's still a God that, uh, that is true. There's still a God that offers salvation to all men. And let me just let you know that He is Jesus Christ. There's none other. You see, besides the loss of family, the Egyptians lost family, but they lost finances. They lost a lot along the way. The Bible says, in, uh, look, look in verses number 35 and 36 of Exodus 12. Exodus, 30, uh, Exodus 12, verses 35 and 36. It says, And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver, jewels of gold, and raiment. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they lent unto them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. There's a couple of interesting words here. Uh, the word borrowed in verse 35 is from the Hebrew word sha'al, which means to request to demand, to borrow. And then in verse 36, we see this word spoiled, which is really interesting. Uh, this Hebrew word is natsal, which is to snatch, to pluck up, or to strip. Literally, they plundered the land of Egypt, and they never even lifted a finger. God did that. And then we, we look at this and we see, remember, we're not dealing with the Egypt in 2023. This is the most powerful nation in the known world at that time. This is the most uh, uh, mighty uh, army. This is the most mighty uh, person that they're dealing with when they deal with Pharaoh. Uh, this is the place where uh, people would fear and tremble. And yet here are, are nothing but uh, slaves and people who've never fought before in their life. And the, all they've known is to make mud bricks and have babies. And that's all they've known their whole life. And yet here they are. And God not only brings them out, but He gives them what they need from the hands of the Egyptians. Do we serve a big God? I'm telling you, we serve an awesome God. We serve a God who sees our need and then He makes sure that we have everything we need along the way. Gold, silver, there was precious, uh, there was possessions that they would need along the journey. And the Bible says that God, uh, God gave unto them such things as they required. Everything they needed, God fulfilled. Listen, God is awesome. We serve an incredible God. And sometimes we get beat up in the workplace. We get beat up in this world. And we forget that we serve an incredible God. But may we come back to the Scriptures and come back to this place and say, listen, we, God is still on the throne. He is still the one who is, who is uh, working in our lives. And sometimes we don't see His work. I, I, granted, there are many times where we don't see how God is working in a situation, but I promise you that God is always at work, even in ways that we can't always see. And so we see this uh, throughout this uh, as they came out of Egypt. But look at this journey that God calls them to in verse number 31. And He says, And He called for Moses and Aaron by night, and said, Rise up and get you forth from among my people both ye and the children of Israel, and go, serve the Lord as ye have said. I love this. Well, you know what I love about it is over and over and over, he tried to make com uh, compromise. And he said, listen, uh, you can go, but leave your women, your children. And then he said, listen, you can take the family, just leave your possessions. God wasn't satisfied with any kind of compromise. He wasn't satisfied until uh, Pharaoh was willing to say, do as God wants. 
You know what he finally had to do? He had to bow before the Lord. You see, Pharaoh was finally crushed by this tenth plague. His own household saw the death of a firstborn. And just like every other Egyptian home, he was no longer trying to make deals with Moses. Now, within all of their grief and everything that they'd been through, the Egyptians had suffered and they were finally willing to say, get out of here, go exactly the way God wants you to. We don't want you in Egypt anymore. We go back and if we were to rewind all the way to to, uh, the very first problem, when Moses comes into the throne room, and you remember as he comes into the throne room and he says, thus saith the Lord, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, get out of here. And not only get out of here, but listen, since you're such lazy people, I'm going to remove all the straw. You can gather your own straw and make the bricks, the same amount of bricks, and don't let the tally be diminished at all. Listen, Moses went back and, and the people scorned him and he was ready to just crawl in a hole and die. Do you remember that? But now here we are. And, we, and no doubt Moses was thinking, Lord, if you're really the I am, how come you didn't make him bend his will? And you can't help but come back now after the 10th plague has passed and be able to say, God, your plan is always perfect. So Lord, just help me to trust it. I don't understand it sometimes when He leads us in paths that aren't necessarily the straightest. But this is what I know is I can trust Him. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. Listen, that path is not always going to be a straight line. Sometimes it's going to take some, some twists and some turns, but if we stay on His path, it doesn't matter how many twists and turns and ups and downs we go over, because He said, I will never leave you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And at the end, he says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why could he say that? Because he said, Listen, I have been through those crooked paths. I've been down down those dark valleys. I've been in these places. And God has been faithful. He is my good shepherd. You see, that's the Lord we serve tonight. The Egyptians hadn't believed God's warnings, but everything changed after they experienced God's judgment. Verse number 33, look there with me in the Scriptures. And the Egyptians were urgent upon the people that they might send them out of the land in haste, for they said, we be all dead men. You know what they were saying? They said, listen, if they stay here any longer, we're all going to die. They'd seen the death of the cattle. They'd seen the, the destruction of their wheat and, the, and their, all of their, uh, their corn. They'd seen the destruction of everything uh, that had brought them any kind of comfort or security or hope. America seems like she's on the same path. Boy, there's a lot of things that we have rested in and found our security in. But listen, Christian, we're not the common American, are we? My hope is not in our government. My hope is not in my bank account. My hope's not in anything else except the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, we can rest in Him. We can find comfort and peace in Him. Now look forward just a little bit in in the passage. Verse 40. Because as the Pharaoh sent out the, uh, the Israelites out of Egypt, the Egyptians pressed them to go. But notice the real emancipator in all of this is God. Verse 40. Now the sojourning of the children of Israel who dwelt in Egypt was 430 years. And it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, even the selfsame day it came to pass, that all the host of the Lord went out 
from the land of Egypt. Notice, not one was left behind all the host. In verse 42, and it, came, and it, it is a night to be much observed unto the Lord for bringing them out of the land of Egypt. This is that night of the Lord to be observed, all the children of Israel in their generations. You see, what, uh, what, as Moses led the people, he didn't take credit for what was happening. You know what he was saying? Listen, God did this. Well, I didn't do this. Uh, you didn't do this. God did all of this. God had promised what was, seemed impossible, but God led them every step of the way because God is a God who keeps His Word. 600,000 men, probably over 2 million people all together, now begin in their very first steps out of Egypt. Warren Wiersbe said this a little bit later. He said, promises were fulfilled that night that were made to Abraham centuries before promises that God made years ago, sometimes we think, Lord, are you really going to keep this promise? God, are you really going to do this? But listen, we can trust the God that He keeps His promises. He says in Titus 1-2, He cannot lie. It goes against His nature. We can trust in Him. Now we see uh, the declaration, but we also see the direction of our God tonight. So God's plans didn't stop at seemingly getting the Israelites out of Egypt. So chapter 13, let's look there just a little further in the narrative here in verses 7 and 8 in our Bible because we see God begins to work. In verse 7, He says, Unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days, and there shall no leavened bread be seen with thee, neither shall there be leaven seen with thee in all thy quarters. And thou shalt show thy son in that day, saying, this is done because of that which the Lord did unto me when I came forth out of Egypt. You see, being free from Egypt wasn't the end of God's plan in this. It wasn't just, hey, I want to bring you out of Egypt. Listen, His will for them was, uh, was not only to be out of Egypt, but then not return to slavery, whether that's a sinful slavery or whether that was a literal slavery where they had a taskmaster. You see, God wanted them to continue to, uh, to lead them into the freedom that He has for us. And God desires the same for our life. Our God desires to lead us. He didn't free us from bondage so that we could return to a life of uh, sin or return to a life of trying to live in our own strength or return to the life of trying to do things in our own wisdom. Remember, he says this in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And good Baptists say, Amen! We like that. Amen! It's good preaching. It's Ephesians 2, 8, 9. But verse 10, he says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for a purpose, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You see, it, we were saved, yes, by the grace of God, but then we are also, because of we are saved by God's grace, because it is the gift of God, we belong to Him. We've been bought with a price in 1 Corinthians 6, and we see that He says, listen, now your life has a purpose. And so in this, God gives them direction. And God gives us direction too in this Christian life. And, and here's the exciting thing. I don't have to walk this life. I don't have to live through this life uh, just aimlessly trying to figure things out all on my own. God's right there to lead me. And His Word is a perfect guide. I urge you to get in His Word. So let's look at this unique route that God led them on. I mentioned this just a while ago because God didn't lead them kind of in a straight path. Oh, it was a unique route. It was something that was uh, maybe you wouldn't have thought of. It was through the desert. It wasn't the shortest 
or the most direct route, uh, that would have been through the land of the Philistines. And if they'd gone through the land of the Philistines, no doubt they would have been uh, discouraged by, the thing, uh, by those that they would have to fight. Remember, it was the Philistines, even, uh, even just a short time later, that they would come into the land of Canaan and they would see uh, these mighty giants in the land and they would be afraid, and as a result of that, they would rebel against the Lord. And so God didn't send them directly across the land of the Philistines. Instead, He led them around there, and they met with God in Mount Sinai, where He could instruct them and help them to know who He is, and have a not just a home, but a relationship. You see, God's ultimate desire was not so that uh, they could have a place where they parked their buggy. He wanted them to have a relationship with a father that loved them. God knew that despite the fact that He had proven His limitless power over and over and over again, that they would still doubt. They still needed some faith development. And so the Israelites would have turned back in fear, but instead God said, listen, I've got a route for you you're going to take, and along the way you're going to meet with me. And we remember, if we go forward in Exodus, and we can remember how that, uh, that looks, and they met at Mount Sinai, and again, sin came into the camp, and they had to deal with those things. But all of that was part of God's plan in delivering them, not just from Egyptian bondage, but uh, the bondage of soul and spirit that is even worse than having a taskmaster. You see, God knew what He was doing and God wanted to shape, He wanted to strengthen them. And so the Israelites needed to get to know God first. That's what God does for us. He will not take you on a quick, easy way. Amen? We want it easy. I want, man, I want roses, and I want uh, big bank accounts, and I want, I want the, uh, you know, that uh, prosperity gospel to be true. But that's not how God designed it. God said, listen, I'm going to take you through valleys so that you can know I'm with you. I'm going to take you over some rough paths so that you know I'll carry you. You see, because that's who God is. He says this in Psalms 119, verse 133. Order my steps in thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. You see, it's more important that we walk with the Lord than we have an easy way. See, the way God leads may not always be a straight path. Sometimes it's kind of crooked because He has lessons that He has to teach each of our lives. Sometimes we learn those lessons, oftentimes we learn those lessons in the desert, in the hard places of life. But look at His guidance here. It was not only a unique route, but it was also unique guidance. Uh, chapter 13, verse 21 through 22, very quickly tonight. It says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud uh, to, lead them the, uh, to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go, uh, day by day, uh, to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of the fire by night from before the people. And so as God directed the people, He allowed them to see a, a, a visible symbol of His presence. There was a cloud, and then there was fire. We see this in both of those. And both of them are symbols of God's presence through all of this. If you go to Exodus chapter 40, verses 34 through 35, we see that this is also seen in the tabernacle there. It says, Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation, because the cloud abode thereon, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So we see that this, this uh, cloud here was a presence, was a reminder of God's presence with them. There was also this 
thought of fire. Remember in Exodus 3.2, we've already covered this, as the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. Again, it was the symbol of God's presence. Day by day, night by night, the Israelites were assured that God was with them. There was always that pillar of cloud. There was always that pillar of fire reminding them that God went before them. May I remind you, just as He was with them, He's also with us. Hebrews 13.5 Let your conversation be without covetousness. And be content with such things as you have. For he had said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. We are not without a guide today. He still guides us along the way. Man, we've got a, a major decision we need to make uh, about a job or uh, a move or any of those things. That's where we need the Lord to lead us. That's where we need His presence to guide us. And, and that is the Word of God that we have that's, uh, that is the tangible Word of God in the Bible. We can go to it and find uh, His truth there. But also, His Holy Spirit indwells every believer. The Bible says in Psalms 119 and 105, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. John 16, 13, Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth, for He shall not speak of Himself. But whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. You see, He's our guide all along the way. And God desires to lead our life. It will follow Him. So sometimes the problem just simply is, is that one, I'm not listening, or I've got too much other things that are going on, and it drowns out. God's leadership in my life. Or sometimes I just don't like the direction. And I just want to encourage you, Christian. You know, as we, I know we're here in the middle of a week. We know God is mighty. We know God is, is able. We know God is sufficient. So if he, we believe that in word, let us also believe that in deed. And let Him guide us and lead us every step of the way. Now look in chapter 14 with me in, your, uh, in Exodus once again. We're going to see the deliverance of our mighty God. Exodus chapter 14, verses 15 and 16. It says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore Christ thou unto me, speaking to the children of Israel, that they go forward. But lift, up, lift thou up thy rod, and stretch out thine hand over the sea, and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And so we find them, uh, the Israelites now in a dangerous position. In verses 1 through 9, we find the children of Israel surrounded by thousands of miles of sand with the Red Sea in front of them and Pharaoh's army behind them. W.A. Criswell wrote this of this particular instance. He said, They turned due south and went down, uh, went down south until they could not go any further. Down beyond them was an impassable mountain range, Belzephon. Then to the side of them were limitless wastes of sand. And then to the north of them, where they had come from, there was the land of Egypt, and in front of them was the Red Sea. You see, there was no way the children of Israel could manipulate or bargain their way out. They could only trust in the Lord. But like all of them, just like them, we sometimes are the same way. They began to doubt. Didn't you ever doubt God? Man, and when you get on the other side of doubting God, I don't know about you, but I get on the other side and I think, why did I ever doubt Him? He is always faithful. Man, what is wrong with me? Anyways, look in verse number 10 and, and 12, through 12. He says, And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord, and they said to Moses, Because there was no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us uh, away to die in the wilderness? See their doubt? Hear it there? 
Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. One of the unique things about the human cognitive faculties is we always remember the best things about the worst situations. You think about this. Go back in your mind's eye and we call it the good old days. The good old days was when they made cars out of steel. All right? What we don't, what we don't talk about in those good old days is, uh, is that there was often no air conditioning. Right? No power steering. There wasn't, uh, you were oftentimes working and tinkering on those old cars because a carburetor was just a little out of kilter. You were always on the good old days. We forget the bad stuff, don't we? And all we remember is the, is the good stuff. Oh, I remember how pretty that 1957 Chevy Bel Air was. And they are beautiful. And boy, and you get an LS, uh, LS7 or something under the hood, and you have uh, air conditioning blowing through, and all the bells and whistles from 2023, that's nice. But listen, I don't want to go back to a 1957 original Bel Air. There's a lot of hardship with that. Besides that, you can't find leaded uh, gas anymore. Listen, the Israelites were trapped. Pharaoh's army was closing in. All they could remember was, oh, we had it so good in Egypt. They couldn't remember how terrible it was, how uh, how uh, Pharaoh had just slaughtered their babies. They couldn't remember all of these things. All they could remember was the good stuff. In the height of the emotion, the Israelites would have actually gone back to Egypt, but God prevented it. You see, sometimes in the height of the emotion, we're easily led away from the Lord and back to, back to being trapped. One piece of advice that I always, I always thought was very good was never make major decisions in the midst of a, of a crisis. Going through a death, you're going through a heartache, a relational uh, mishap. Don't make major decisions. Wait on the Lord and see His hand of deliverance. That's what the Israelites, if they had just said, Moses, you, we know God brought us to this point, and if God brought us here, then we're going to trust that He's going to get us out of here. Man, what a difference it would have made Instead of their children seeing them fearful and afraid, it would have helped inspire their children to say, listen, God is still God. It reminds me of little five-year-old Johnny. His mama had asked him to go down into the cellar and, and go get a can of tomato soup. And he said, listen, I don't, I don't want to go down there, mommy. It's, it's dark down there and I'm scary. I'm scared of going down in the dark. And, and so mom was trying to talk, her, talk him into it and trying to just give him confidence. She said, listen, Johnny, he said, Jesus is going to go with you. He's going to be right in there with you. Don't be afraid. And so he gets to the door and he looks down in the cellar. He says, Jesus, since you're already down there, can you get me tomato soup? <laughs> sometimes we do that, don't we? We're a little bit afraid and fearful, but we're reminded that God is faithful. Don't go back to Egypt in the midst of the crisis. Instead, trust in the Lord. In verses 13 and 14, see the remainder of this. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not. And he says, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord which He will show you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. And the Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. You know what he said? Be still and watch God work. 
What you think is impossible, God is about to show you that He is the God of the impossible. And we can trust in Him. And so instead of doubting, He said, listen, look at the divine provision that God is about to supply for you. God's about to do something amazing here. And we see that in the following verses, in verses 15 through 18, as He begins to share this. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore Christ thou unto me, speak unto the children of Israel, that they go forward. He says, what are you doing standing there? He says, just go forward. I led you here on purpose. Remember, remember in your mind's eye, we've got a picture of this. Mighty, mighty group of people, a million plus strong, being led by God in a physical cloud or fire in this pillar. And He leads them to the edge of the Red Sea, and they stop, and they're like, now what? Well, now here comes Pharaoh's army, and they become fearful. But listen, it was God that led them here. And if God leads us to something, we can trust Him that He's going to lead us through that, that thing. And we see, and He goes on, But if thou lift up thy rod and stretch out thine hand over the sea and divide it, and the children of Israel go, shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. And I will get me honor upon Pharaoh, and upon his host, upon his chariots, and upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. Isn't that awesome? Man, I just love to read when God does something amazing. F.B. Meyer said, Often God seems to place His children in positions of profound difficulty. It's a platform for the display of His almighty grace and power. He will not only deliver you, but in so doing, He will give you a lesson that you will never forget, and to which uh, in many a psalm and song in days after, you will revert. You will never be able to thank God enough for just having done just what He has. And so the angel of the Lord went before the camp of Israel, and we see this in verses 19 and 20. And it went behind them and protected them from the Egyptians. And we see in verse number 20, and it came... Uh, between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it gave light to the Israelites. In God's unmatched wisdom, He moved the pillar so that it stood behind them and they marched forward. God was on their side. Now, I want to just encourage you to go back over verses 21 through 28 to, uh, tonight as you get home and see God miraculously split the Red Sea. Listen, this is not one of those situations where uh, there was a marsh or anything like that. There wasn't uh, 10 inches of water uh, that uh, made up the Red Sea. Instead, what we find is that it was uh, the sea. The Bible says there was a wall of water on either side of them as they marched through. You see, what's impossible with man is possible with God. Matthew 19, 26, Jesus said, Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And so tonight as we come to this place, let me just remind you that just as God delivered those Israelites out of Egypt, He can deliver you from, uh, from uh, the dominion of hell over your life and your soul by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. You can be free. But maybe you're here tonight, you know you're a believer, and you have no problem with that, but sometimes you just feel entangled in that yoke of bondage. Let me just remind you that Christ has come to set you free from the yoke of bondage. Christ has come to set you free from sin, and He offers you uh, this evening uh, to have that freedom that only comes through Him. So would you bow your head with me tonight? And as we come here to this invitation time, let me just, just be real, real with you just for a moment. I know that there are times where we struggle uh, to trust the Lord. And maybe you're in one of those moments, you're just struggling to trust God. But remember, if He could do that in, in Moses' time, 
He can work in your life today. Maybe you just need to come back to that simple truth and say, God, I believe you again. Thank you so much for joining us today. It is such a privilege to share God's word with you. If God has spoken to your heart because of the message, stop right now and respond to whatever it is God is asking of you. Don't wait another minute. You can pray right where you're at and ask God for his help. If this message has helped you in any way, we would love to hear from you. Let us know if you have any questions or we can help you with your decision. Jesus asked his disciples, Who do ye say that I am? And he offers the same question to you today. What would your answer be?